the grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined today by Sam Perry, Dave Edwards. It's a huge show, chaps. It's a huge show. It's a, it's a trifecta of guests. We're, we're very privileged. Brett Jeeves is coming on the show. Jeeva. Will Pekofsky. Pekofska. <laughs> Sorry. And Mickey Edwards is coming on the show. It's a trifecta of guests. The cult hero, the protege, and the controversial figure. What a huge show. Gents, welcome. Good. Thanks, Good. Egos. I'm and thrown. thanks for framing the episode so succinctly. That was. But now I'm thrown because normally it's as ever. I'm yeah. joined by Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. Well, you throw, you're throwing us off because sometimes you're here and sometimes you're not. Yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scheduling error, just like Cricket Australia. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm just we'll a walking scheduling yeah. error. Indeed. Well, look, let's reflect on the SCG. Let's do it, man. Quickly. Um, I think we've been... We've been castigated by our fans enough for just dropping names mm. here and there. I feel castrated. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Yeah, you wouldn't want those. Words. Just, just for those That'd who might bad just for those text. who might just suddenly be listening to this podcast randomly, we were at the SCG mm. all week for uh, for the third test, Australia versus Pakistan, and we had media passes. We were given accreditation, so we spent the whole week at the SCG rubbing shoulders with mm. Jim Maxwell. Um, Shane Warne, mm. Gus Warland. Sometimes literally. It's interesting yeah. because we could have been doing anything else with that extra week of holidays. Like I, I wish I was to go back to work on the third, but I, I decided to take an extra week. Mm. Um, but, I, but I couldn't do anything because yeah. can't got cricket. Mm. It's kind of interesting, actually. <laughs> We're going to be talking to Je- uh, Brett Jeeves in a second. Jeeva. Yeah, yeah that's the right, German. as we call him. The German. Exactly. German. Yeah. And he mentions in this kind of controversial article that came out today mm. that mm. all cricketers ever want to do is just rub shoulders with those uh, <laughs> in higher sta- with higher status than them. And that's all we did for, yeah. for a week. And, uh, yeah. oh, God, it was heavenly. Yeah. You, I really recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> still felt like the great cricketers of the media world, though. We were yeah. kind of on the outer. Yeah. Where we? we were never really in. I never still, really in. I still haven't picked up the Sheffield Shield, so I can't talk to Brendan Julian yet. Um, boys, let's, uh, let, let's uh, sum up the, um, the summer. Because yep. the, the summer of Test cricket has now been completed. The summer in some. I don't know if you guys remember, but we played against South Africa at the beginning of the summer, um, yep. and we didn't win that series. There was a pink ball test in there, of course. Mm. Um, a guy called Nick Maddison played for Australia. Yes. A few others, Ferguson, Joe Many played cricket for Australia. Um, there were some more guys who played cricket for Australia, and now some don't anymore because yeah. there's been a subsequent series. Um, I, I don't know where to start with this, but what are your guys' thoughts on the whole summer? I mean, the summer as a whole for Test Series, was it a successful Test Series for the Australian cricketing people and the players? Oh, what a, it was a roller coaster, wasn't it? I think what you were mentioning before was kind of the key, and here's a word that's a bit of a cliche, but it's the key narrative. There was selection upheaval in the Australian side. I think that's when true. we look back on it, it we'll, we'll be looking at a time when we, the chairman of selectors was cut. Yeah. Rod Marsh. Yeah. And then there was this uh, influx of new players, of youth. What, you know, Renshaw was kind of out with the uh, old, in with the new, but he plays old school. That was interesting. Hanscom mm. was kind of the anointed. Uh, he was the next cab off the rank. And Nick Madison was the, uh, the I guess, investment in talent. He was the one who was sort of right. meant to make it uh, be- because he, yeah. he looks good. A speculative tech stock. <laughs> that's exa- <laughs> And that's right. And that was the main metaphor that was used to describe him. Right. Uh, How's the song go? Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I feel like the series has already been forgotten. South Africa series has already been forgotten. Um, Conveniently so. I mean, yeah. I can't even remember back that far, but you're right. It was tumultuous. <laughs> so much happened. Rod Marsh gone. New selectors in, new players in. Some of those, as you say, don't play cricket for Australia anymore, but they did play cricket for Australia at one point. Yeah. They're gone and forgotten. <laughs> Joe Many, Welcome to the Callum Ferguson podcast. had their yeah. taste of Test cricket. And yeah. Test cricket is so hard to taste. Yeah. It's always just out of reach. And yeah. they had it. And now they're never going to need another look in, are they? Yeah, probably not. I mean, this is something that I spoke about with you guys at the SCG during the last week, was that, um, you know, it's all about timing, isn't it? It's all about time Because, I mean, what, what Callum Ferguson would have given to be batting at four for a million mm. when Hilton Cartwright came in for his yep. test debut, for instance. But Callum Ferguson was playing, playing a, 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 on a seeming wicket in Hobart yep. 
um, and a- against a very good attack of Rabada and Abbott yep. et al. Um, I mean, he obviously got run out, yep. so that didn't, the, the, he couldn't blame the wicket. But still, I mean, it's all that timing, isn't it? So even at that elite level, you still need a huge amount of luck as to who you're playing against, what position you come in into the game. Mm. It's all luck. It's all luck. Don't, don't bother with skill. It's all about luck. And then Pakistan came along. Oh, yeah. They came onto our shores, and this was our chance to 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 really come good, wasn't yeah. it? With all these restore selections pride. that happened, restore pride. There was so much navel gazing and introspection, and yeah. you know, we really did a, an assessment on the health of Australian cricket mm. in general over the, over those scary couple of weeks there towards the end of the year. But then mm. Pakistan came, and we just dominated from the outset, didn't mm. we? I mean, mm. Dave. I mean, the te- I mean, the first test was actually quite a close one. Yeah, the second and third test were what I would call processions. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, the second te- the second test in particular was just Australia won out of nowhere. There was about there was about six days of rain, um, but Australia played three sessions of cricket and then just bowled Pakistan out. I mean, for me, for mine, guys, the mm. the whole summer of Test cricket was I've got to be honest, it was disappointing. Mm. I was I was excited about the prospect of of beating um, South Africa early doors because I was excited to get back into the cricket season, mm. and we just performed really badly. And the matches were often finished in the first about. A day and a bit. It was it was obvious that, that Australia weren't going to uh, weren't going to win. Um, and then I was excited to see Pakistan, the most mercurial side in the world, even more so than the West Indies. Got these wonderful players who are, who are all match winners. And, and I was excited to see Shah bowl. Um, but Pakistan was so disappointing, mm. except for when they almost chased down five hundred in the four yeah. things. That, aside from that, which is obviously huge, but aside from that, they were really. But weren't they really gracious and they smiled yeah. the whole time they were here while we mm. dominated them? It was good to see that they were. <laughs> yeah, just, was really... They took their def- their humiliation with you know good grace. That's yeah. yeah. But is that also on the flip side bad? You know, well, in like Australian cricket, it would be. There were no boiling yes. points. No. Yes. No one, no one blew up at anybody mm. else, and deep down, we really wanted. Well, South Africa delivered on that. There was yeah. so much of that tension underlying yeah. the whole series. Yeah. Because I asked Dirk Nanners about this. I, I, I said I said it was a weird summer, yeah. and I didn't get to finish my question. He just looked at me. And he said, left the room. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Whilst playing sax. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, he was skiing, so. Yeah. Um, but he, but he said no, it wasn't a weird summer because it was just more, much more of the same summer that we've always had. It's just a procession of beating weak touring sides, and that's yeah. what that's what the summer has finished off as, isn't it? Just beating a really poor Pakistan side who who were on the beach for the past last two Test matches. I, I guess, like to try and be fair about it, the South okay. Africa series was a really good series. It's just that we lost. My only problem was that <laughs> both sets of series got to 2-0. So the last match was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really that means if the second match is won reasonably quickly too, as it was with South Africa, then you've just got half a series of cricket that is not alive. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not fun. You no, know? it's and, not and, fun. I mean, look at the SCG. Uh, we sort of murmured it while we were there, and it was always murmurs. But uh, <laughs> like, when was the last time there was a live SCG test match? Mm. Just, I don't recall. It's just this kind of sleepy mm. New Year's thing yeah. where lots of Sydney people come out wearing Ralph Lauren. It's bl- a social blue. event. It's to yeah. pin it in the social calendar at the beginning of the year, get there, wear your finest threads, yeah. rub shoulders with exactly. the elite. Yeah, well, I mean, this is interesting because uh, Andrew Back Jones, Andrew Jones, who we, we didn't get to ask this because a story broke about well, as we were talking with him, but, um, but he was saying that Sydney deserves a second test match. And I think there's... There's a lot of merit in that. I mean, he was talking purely numbers, percentage based, huge amount of huge. He said that actually on grandstand just before our interview, so we weren't skilled enough to get that answer out of him. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought he did, did it. He did it like two it. hours afterwards. We just went to <laughs> yeah. show how poor we were yeah. at getting a scoop. Yeah, oh, well, we're just three yeah, blocks from the internet. Mm. Well, we will be just three knock around blocks from the internet. So I mean, but uh, I think there's some merit in that. I mean, because he was just talking percentage based, but I mean, there's also wouldn't it just be nice just for once if a Sydney Test match yeah. wasn't just completely mm. dead? Well, I'm glad we're probably going to lose three quarters of our listeners as well just for being. Ah, they know the score. They know the score. Test matches. Yeah, two 0 So what now, boys? The Test series is over. Yeah, it's finished. India looms large on the horizon, but there's some stuff going on in between, I guess. Mate, it's going. It's going. Sorry, just what now, boys? (laughs) (laughs) We just don't talk like that. Like off air. What now, boys? With the cricket, how are we going to enjoy the cricket, boys? What now? (laughs) Well, there's a couple of ODIs coming on. That's what you must call it. ODIs between Australia and Pakistan. Uh, FML. No, uh, mm. are Pakistan good at one-day cricket, or can we openly admit we have no idea? Mate, they're good in the UAE, I think. Like, just, but then, are they good here? Are they good anywhere else yeah. except for the UAE? I don't yeah. know. 
I, I'm expecting Australia to win comfortably. I think Austra- I think Australia are pretty strong in the one days. So I tell, man, like there's just too much scattered cricket going on. Yeah. I'm looking at scores at the Big Bash. You know, there's mm. a Test match that just finished. ODIs. Then there's some. So we were talking about this just before mm. that. Dave Warner was t- complaining about the scheduling issue the Cricket Australia organised. So basically, the Australian Test team will be in India slightly before in preparation for the India series. Now at the same time that they're going to be there, um, Australian T20 team will be playing against Sri Lanka in a three T20 series. So there's going to be about four blokes that will affect. Kawaja, Warner himself, Stark, and the captain, Steve Smith. So those guys won't be able to play in the T20 series against Sri Lanka because they're going to be in India playing some test match cricket or preparing for the test match series. So, I mean, this is just capitalism winning, isn't it? It doesn't, doesn't matter who's playing. It's not best versus best. It's just that there's matches going on. The gates are open, buying tickets. That's all that matters, isn't it? The, the triumph of commerce over... Tradition in <laughs> yeah. cricket, you know, which we obviously talk about quite a lot off air, and are very earnest about. For sure. Does, does it bother you at all, or is T Twenty Eyes, as they call them now, uh, just a, a, another format that we clap our eyes onto while we're making a, you know, a, a, a pasta at night, and mm. uh, then just talk to our partners and have it on mute. Well, for, for me, that's how I see the Big Bash. Yeah. I, I come home from work. I know it's on at 7.30. I might catch the project beforehand. I'll switch it on. I'll put it on mute so mm. I can have a conversation over dinner mm. with my partner. Mm, and, uh, and then I'll maybe catch the scores on social media. And, and if something really good happens, I might turn it up. Mm. Or I might just go to bed and forget all about it and read about it the next day. It's not capturing me <coughs> too much. Um, I don't know how your thoughts are uh, on just, that, Higo. Just completely, I completely agree with you. I think it just di- like dilutes the product. There's so much cricket going on that it's like spread the resources out entirely. And I'm just not convinced that there's such a love of all forms of cricket that it warrants three forms. I, I, I think that I, I, I'm of the opinion that I think you can scrap the one days because I, I think that there's not... I think you can play more T20s and play international T20s. I think people want to see that. I just think ODIs will eventually die out and I don't think it's going to happen this year but it might happen in 15 years for instance I just, I just don't see the sustainable I don't, I don't see it's sustainable to have three formats particularly when you've got uh, you know, but the four, kids love it he goes the kids well the kids like and T20 content, love T20. and it's content and ODIs are just a cash cow yeah we'll play more T20s mm. Play, play more T20s. Just back-to-back on, like, separate fields, like a, like a school match or something. Just have heaps going. Well, and the circles big... overlap a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, overlapping circles. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that a bowler can still take five wickets in an ODI and, yes. a, and a batsman can score 100. I like that. Yes. I mean, that's great because I'm a traditionalist in that respect. Yes. But I just think that, you know, T20 is a great product, it's a great brand, and, and it's introducing new people to the game, which is ultimately good. And that's and ultimately, that would be good for Test Cricket. We're talking very earnestly. This is here. the most earnest chat mm. we've had on yeah. this podcast. Well, it's, Sorry, the, end, it's the end of summer, you know. We've been in the press box and we're starting to think deeply. It's kind of... Uh, <laughs> starting to think like a journalist. He's starting to dilute nah, our, uh, any existing humour we had. Yeah. He's got a couple of knock-around blokes from the internet. Yeah, but uh, Indian, I like... It's Indian. It, ODI Cricket can sell ads. More ads, right? Mm. It goes for longer, hence ads. Yeah, ads. So that's why it still exists. Are you upset that no one comes to watch you play cricket? Are you tired of no one appreciating you for the talented third grader you are? The Cricket Family is the first program dedicated to helping people like you feel relevant again. We have a database of over 1,000 out-of-work actors who can come to your games and masquerade as your friend, girlfriend, wife, parents or grandparents, helping you create the perception that the people close to you actually care about what you do. Great shot, Jason. No, I'm proud of you, son. The Cricket Family. Helping cricketers feel relevant once again. Boys, we've been trying to tee up this interview for quite some time, but the man we have on the other end of the line has been in great demand through all media. Hot property. Exactly. Uh, I just want to run through some statistics here. 18 years old. Uh, just <laughs> That's a number. It's the first one. It's, it's the lowest one. Uh, emerged from the <laughs> national championships, otherwise known as you know the under-19s comp, yeah. with 650 runs from eight innings, including four centuries. Mm. Don't know how many you've ever made in your lives, uh, either of you. Mm. Um, his name's Will Pukowski. He's just played against Pakistan yesterday in the CA11. Everybody's talking about him, so we felt we should too. Uh, Will, welcome to the Great Cricketer. Thanks very much for having me, guys. It's an honour. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, yeah, I think the honour's ours, to be fair. <laughs> when we look back in maybe 10 or 15 years. Uh, <laughs> Will, uh, I know that you, you're sort of like a darling of the media at the moment because you just cannot sco- stop scoring runs. Like, what are most people asking you? Um, 
to be honest, have all been very generic questions. But the uh, the media training that was mentioned in the uh, in the article has uh, prepared me well for. Um, how, how, how do they train you just to kind of spin the question mm, around and start talking mm. about government policy um, and stuff? <laughs> I guess we just have like one or two sessions a year just through the academy. Mm. And it's not like scripting or anything like that. It's just about trying to uh, make yourself, I guess, sound reasonable and try and yep. be as natural as possible without, you know, yeah, saying anything too outlandish or anything like that. They're not trying to get you to slip in any core messaging in that at all. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't uh, been on the end of that just yet. I mean, before we get into your career, Will, I mean, what are your, pol- what are your thoughts on the immigration policy in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> the Big Bash League is good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that. I'm actually watching it right now. <laughs> Four corners. Well, Peter Dutton's first yeah. comments. <laughs> all right, let, let's, let's go into that. Let's go sh- jump straight into it. Will, I don't ever want to talk about your batting just yet. I've read that you are studying or you're going to study arts at Monash or you want to sort of pursue that path. I mean, what are you doing trying to be an intellectual cricketer? You know that's not the path of success <laughs> <Nah>. if uh, <laughs> recent articles that go by. Um, yeah, I am, I've done a year of arts at Monash, so started last year. Um, it was a bit of a budge the first year, to be honest, just mm. tried to get through. Mm. Uh, what did you take? Did you take uh, like gender studies or yeah, what sociology. kind of? Oh, there was some really like I don't really know what I want to do yet. So it's just been play cricket for looking Australia. At, <laughs> <looking> at, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just been kind of looking at all the subjects and whichever one has, has the best title generally gets selected. So yeah. it was sort of going through that this year. So I think terrorism was one of them. Just because oh yeah, it's huge. Right. It's just a subject. Like, Reasonably interesting. Yeah. Well, one thing I've um, learned over the years is um, while you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, just rack up as much hex debt as possible. Um, <laughs> that's, then that's, you can yeah. move overseas yeah, and never pay it back. I don't worry about yep. that because you just all you have to do is fill out a quick form for that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll, go, we'll go into your career now gently, Will. I mean, you've just hit so many hundreds lately. So many. I, I'm just wondering, like, what do you feel when you hit 100 now? And do you even feel anything at all? <laughs> um, yeah, the feeling definitely stays there. It's just, um, no, nah, it's obviously, as a batsman, it's always, that's, I guess, the ultimate goal going into every inning. Nah, none of this core messaging, yeah. mate. <laughs> Can I just pick up yeah. on that? Because there's a piece that quotes you recently saying, uh, I think we won all the games that I uh, we won all the games that I made hundreds in, so that was good. That's what makes them even better. So that's your first lie because yeah. obviously hundreds <laughs> in losing sides are the greatest. That's hundreds the greatest feeling. You yeah, can yeah. smugly look at your teammates uh, and say, "At least I contributed." So I mean, you said before, you know, you hinted. I think when we we're off air that, the, that that your dad does follow the great cricketer. I mean, it sounds like you have a good relationship with your dad. I mean, yeah, yeah what's I, that about? Because yeah. I, because the question I was going to ask before that is how many hundreds did it take for your dad to love you? <laughs> and I, I need a specific number. All this relates to the tweets. It's like literally just the. Oh, it's that good. We're just but, talking um, tweets. Yeah. No, I don't know. He probably still doesn't love me. We. Why is it funny? And when you whenever you do hit one of your regular hundreds, like what, what do you, how do you celebrate? I mean, do you got you're a young man, do you go out on the circuit? Mm. Or is it so commonplace now that you just like go home afterwards and, and read a book or, you know, surf I the internet? Get, I get my favourite dinner every time, so I get to pick dinner. When I get home, oh, so yeah. it's always handy. Are um, you cooking it, or is Mum and Dad cooking that? Oh, absolutely not. No, no chance. Um, yep. So yeah, they it's usually takeaway, so no one has to cook. But yep. if it's like a steak and a salad, I'll sit on the couch and it'll it'll get whipped up for me. So that's my special treat. Well, we'll, we'll I can just see through, like in the public here, you're very you're very modest, and you're also studying art, so you're clearly very self-aware. That's not going to hold you in good stead as uh, <laughs> your career goes on. I promise you. Yeah. But um, you're very modest, modest publicly. I'm just wondering, given you score so many hundreds, you can't actually be modest. You must be arrogant. And, and what your outlet for that is, you know, like are you in the dressing um, room saying how many hundreds have you scored, champ, etc.? <laughs> it's definitely like I try to. Um keep as level-headed as possible around cricket. But when I get around my mates, it probably becomes a bit of a different story. Are you, um, are you definitely the I, cricketer in your social group? Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I, they give me heaps of stick for it. So I have to come up with or try to, to come up with witty replies and stuff mm. like that. 
Is it hard when you're really racing, successful? Just like a screenshot of you like <laughs> racing your bat for yet another hundred. You just show them that. Oh, I, I actually like. I don't want to say some of the stuff that goes on because like it's just too embarrassing. But yeah, mm. it is. It is one of those things where you do you do cop a bit from your mates, but it's all it's all fun and games, and you've all got your different little outlets to get them back with. So. Yeah, no so, problems there. So, well, you've, you've now played, you've, you've dabbled a little bit in grade cricket as well. Um, I just want to know, um, what are some of the things that some of the senior players who, who maybe have perhaps had some shortcomings in their own career and life, of course, famously, um, I mean, what are some of the things that these senior players have done to sort of alpha you to make them feel better about themselves? Um, I've got a couple about, like, the standard of opposition. So, under-19s <laughs> is apparently against kids. and <laughs> well, every grade, every grade we play, Yeah, uh, legally. They're not up to the standard of grade cricket. Right, before. yeah. Um, Less alcohol, that, that brings me down pretty quickly. Okay. But what does it? What else is there? I'm um, just wondering if you have kind of, if there are different behavioural approaches from the maybe 10 other guys you play with at Melbourne. Some of them might try and alpha you immediately and say that you've just been playing against kids. Others might try and be your best mate all of a sudden based on the amount of runs that you've scored. Uh, do you have any like that as well who are just all of a sudden texting you and wanting to get a beer and mm. stuff like that? Um, yeah, it actually is a bit like that. Mm. Like, it's easier to jump on the bandwagon. But no one wants the Will Pekoski bandwagon, is that what you call it? Yeah, no one, want, no one wants to be mates <laughs> with me other than that, so it's yeah. kind of hard like that. But Wait till I'm you start getting like a few Andrew ducks, Kent, mate. Andrew Kent from Melbourne asked me how many, if I'd even made a 1,000 runs for the club yet, so that was an interesting one. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's played for 37 seasons, but he's hit a yeah. guy yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah, after, yeah, after he knocked notched up about his 10,000, so yeah. that was a good one for him. No, he's good like that. But no, nah, other than that, it's just been, yeah, down to the days. Everyone's always been good, though, down there. It's good fun, it's good banter, and everyone, everyone's happy for you, but at the same time, you do cop a fair bit of stick. I mean, Will, given that the law of averages uh, suggests that you're about to embark on the leanest post-Christmas season since Ajit Agarka, uh, what <laughs> systems have you got in place to help you get through the inevitable and forthcoming dark, dark Saturday afternoons? <laughs> uh, that's a tweet. Um, <laughs> you should, yeah, certainly not your terrorism that's class. One, that's a tough one, actually. You've stumped me there. Um, I guess just always reminding myself that it's a really, really bad game. You've already hit, you've already hit 10 hundreds this summer. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a good way to get well, through it. Well, because yeah. like, it's just one of those games where it's always going to come and get you. So you've got to enjoy it whilst you can. Do you really mean so, that, though? I mean, or, or are you just sort of parroting what you're told to say because it sounds no, good? Because if you score like, that many hundreds... I, I well and truly believe that it is a bad, bad game. Like, it's just, I don't know. It just goes on for ages, eh? It's addictive, though. It's addictive. Yeah, I bet it is. Then, ninety percent of the time, it's just a failure, and you just sit there going, "Like, why do I bother?" You have to watch other people who you hate bat. So you've so you've tasted (laughs) despair. That's that's interesting to me. Like when when (laughs) (laughs) your furrowed brow, (laughs) so I mean, I just I'm wondering, like, at what stage of your young career did you did you taste despair, and and where was it, and 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 how did you cope with it? Uh, (laughs) Um. I'm trying to think. I had there was a few there was a few times in juniors where, where you only like, got like eighty. Got out, it was just like the world was over. Yeah, yeah. you sort of got used to that. Yeah, I think when I got in, when I got injured, that was really bad. Having to like go and watch every week. That's actually more painful than mm. than like the uh, bad things that can happen in cricket. Having to go watch. Mm. You actually don't like not playing. And, mm. Sorry. You actually don't like not playing. Most people enjoy when they don't have to yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, well, the old walk around, yeah. But I, I don't know. Mm. I just hate it. Yeah, just not being able to be involved. No, I agree with you there, Will, because I missed a season a couple of years ago when I threw injury. And uh, it was actually worse because I didn't choose not to play. I just could, I was incapacitated and it was much, but I I still, because I hadn't filled my life with other things. Um, So I, I, Saturday morning, what do you do on Saturday? You go to the cricket, even though I wasn't playing. So I still went and watched and I just realised, wow, wow, I need to get a girlfriend. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And everyone (laughs) everyone else is doing fun things on their Saturday afternoon. Yeah. watching cricket. Yeah. So, so as, as we know and we've established through this interview, Will, the social status is directly connected to the amount of runs you score and the friends <laughs> that you make and stuff like that. H- how many people have you started alphaing um, now that you've mm. scored all these runs? <laughs> how many, how many, uh, and to be specific, how many people's, um, uh, how much eye contact do you avoid now and how many people's <laughs> shoulders do you look over? <laughs> <laughs> Both shoulders of a single person yeah. or just the left? Uh, um. How do you answer yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 24 <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. I don't talk to fourth grade anymore. Basically, that's what I'm I want to hear. To, I'm trying to stay as modest as I can, but <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, but, also but it's hard. But also, you smash, real hard. but also, you're smashing him. Well, yeah. yeah uh, 
Yeah, I can't, I can't answer any of these without sounding like an idiot. You've set me up beautifully. Well, here's an easy one. Here's an easy one. Well, um, when you're famous, can I have some gloves? <laughs> Is that related out. to the Christmas Day tweet? I like yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a general question that hovers there with anyone we talk to. If there's any spare yeah. kit going around, just spare. keep yeah. us in mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm right-handed. Um, uh, like yeah, no bar. worries. I can try and get some up to you. All right, cheers. Possible, Thanks, mate. We'll, we'll sort you out with the address <laughs> later. <laughs> Just finally, is there any anything from the opposition that you're hearing that uh, might be of interest? Anything funny as you just continue to plunder runs? Yeah. Um, I got I got a few good ones on the weekend, actually. I got, like, gee, you've got a fat ass, which I do, but like, that was just a <laughs> wow. wow. general one. Was that Pat Howard? And then, oh yeah, when I when I first came back to grade cricket after being away, I got the kids' call as well. That was a, that was one that I caught yeah, from my teammates stock. and the opposition. Yeah. So you scored a hundred, though, didn't you? Yeah, you scored a hundred. So. Yeah, what is this um, under elevens? Yeah. <laughs> and then what else have I got? I got on the weekend when I got to fifty. Someone said, "Finally, you've made some runs. Now you need to learn how to go on and make a hundred. I thought that was pretty. That was pretty smart, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I got a couple about like just oh, let's get this bloke while he's out of form. Like it's just yeah. it's kind of funny when you're out there, but That's right. so well, these kind of all hating and it doesn't sound as good. Mm. This sounds like a lot of lonely men playing great cricket. Shocking. Mm. What, yeah. what about just get more witty? Just quickly as well, and we didn't talk about this. I mean, you played against Pakistan yesterday. Yeah. What, what, I mean, yeah. What, what was that like? What, are they, what were they sledging you with? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what is this, under 11s? It's yeah. a bad you start. I couldn't do. understand it because I genuinely couldn't. Mm. Oh, but, she could. Um, I guess, yeah, it was just one of those things. They, were, they, they didn't have much for me. I don't think they're that interested about some kid who's managed to get a bit lucky in a bit of a junior comp. But, yeah. Um, It'd be interesting if they did read a lot of my cricket, though. That's the guy. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's Bukowski. um, No, they were good. They were actually a good bunch of guys. So they were were nice. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't too much sledging. It'd be kind of hard. It's kind of hard to take it seriously if it's in another language. So, yeah. Well, Will... Uh, thank you for enduring that, I think. That's the best way, that's the best way of saying it. I, I hope, like, our aim was to be slightly different from the stock questions you've been getting from... Uh, oh, you've done very well at oh, that. Thank you. Great. Please, let's record that. Uh, but, um, <laughs> we really, I mean, it, it, what you have achieved is incredible. It is, it is a wonderful story, and you're doing really well at cricket, which is fantastic, and we like to live vicariously through anything that's good. So <laughs> thank, thank you for allowing us mm. that, and thanks for your time, mate, and all the best for the rest of the season. No worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Will. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading the grade cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, um, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. Well, boys, a new cult hero emerged uh, during the third test between Australia and Pakistan, and it wasn't. Nice Gary Lyon. It was a young upstart with a shock of blonde hair who came and captured all our hearts. I'm talking about Mickey Edwards. Welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, love what you guys do. Such a big fan. Mickey, you've, uh, you've obviously been on the media circuit. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about circuiting later because I, I do want to know what happened after the SCJ's test match. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you've, you've had a lot of, you've had a lot of press happening. this week. You've done, you've done Sunrise, you've done Fox Sports. We've got you back into Fox Sports in an audio capacity. Um, we, we, we tried you before and you're doing more media commitments. So when will the media circus end? Uh, I'm actually pretty surprised it's gone on this long, to be honest. Um, I thought it'd be sort of all blown over by, by Sunday morning. But yeah, still... Uh, Still doing these things, but and, and loving it. Are you, loving ta- are you taking? Today. Sorry, are you taking any new angles when when you're getting these questions? <laughs> you might, I'm probably assuming you're getting the same questions over and over again. But are you, are you kind of yeah. getting creative with your answers? Uh, no, I've just I've just written them down. This is actually a voice recording of. of the <laughs> 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 we were just saying before, Mickey, when you are. Uh... <laughs> You know when you go overseas or something or, like, have mm. had surgery or something and everyone goes, oh, yeah, how was it? And you, you tend to get really used to answering the same thing. I know a lot of people are asking you about your blonde locks and what you're going to do with your blonde locks or, or your budgie smuggler profile pic or whatever. Um, have you come up with any new answers for that? Um, not really. I don't know. I'm not that imaginative to be able to come up with various <laughs> different answers to the same question. Um, yeah, I might try. 
Yeah. Throw a spanner in the work sooner or later. <laughs> oh, yeah. But seriously, though, tell us about the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't want to. No, that, was, that was more a question for Dave, I think, than it was for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mickey, I mean, let's 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 start from the beginning. Um, I mean, not the beginning of your life, but let's let's start from the situation where you were actually asked, where you were invited, I suppose, to to uh, to substitute field um, for the Australian cricket team. Tell us how this all came about. Uh, so basically, I got a call from one of the ladies at Cricket New South Wales in the week, just mm-hmm. asked me if I'd like to just run drinks for the team. Um, it was actually meant to be at work that day at Bungie Smuggler, so I had to tell them that I'm going to be sick uh, and can't work. So. Uh, and then turned up that day and actually I wasn't the uh, the change room security guard actually didn't let me in at the start uh, <laughs> she, was, she was worried that I didn't look I didn't look uh, dressed up enough to be in the members stand uh, <laughs> so I had, to get, I had to get one of the guys to let me in so that, was a, that wasn't a good start to the day mm. well I mean well, I, w- I wouldn't be um, too disheartened with that because Usman Khawaja was shown to the Pakistan dressing rooms um, in the was that in Brisbane I think yes, it was so right. um, don't be too disheartened by security people getting it wrong so okay the situation <laughs> so, so you get yourself into the Australian dressing room you get yourself into the high vis gear um, and these days you're given a like a it's not a baggy green but it's a baggy green substitute isn't it instead of just wearing because I, I mean like in the 90s they give you like a floppy or uh, like a baseball cap as well I think that was an option so um, so you've, you've, been, you've been kitted out I'm just telling you what happened now. Now this is just made and racing about yeah, what thanks. happened. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so the moment comes when uh, who was it who came off the field for you? Uh, I think initially it was uh, Usman coming off for a, a toilet break, but then after that it was uh, David Warner coming off. Okay. I think he was right. a bit crook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, now run us through what you were feeling in those moments when when Uzi, my mate Uzi, comes off the field and and you realise you're going to field in a Test match for Australia. Um, yeah, terrifying. Um, <laughs> didn't really have much interest in going on, to be honest, but I knew that I'd regret it if I did. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I got, like, you don't, you don't realise, you actually can't really see the ball that well because of the crowd and stuff. So, yeah. um, as well as not wanting the ball to come to me, I was actually genuinely worried that I wasn't going to be able to see it. And it would just, if it just came to me, it was, it was going to go for four. So, um, but no, it was a pretty surreal experience. Mm. Mickey, like... I think you're, you know people talk about the fact that you played at Manly, Warringah Cricket Club. You still do, obviously. Do you look back at a lot of your fielding drills there and stuff like that? I mean, did you when you were on there? Did you think I have to field better now than I've ever fielded before? Like I'm really concentrating. Mm. Yeah, it's, like really uh, it's one of those things stuff. that I've. Yeah, well, yeah, I was getting yelled at by the crowd when I walked walk in, so you know, I had to make sure I did that. But yeah, um, I've never been the the best fielder, so. I'm just glad I stopped a couple of balls. <laughs> and were you in kind of earshot to the the real chat that was going on on, yeah. on on the field from the Australian cricket team? I'm just interested in in the the kind of uh, encouragement phrases that are trotted out yeah. by all the players. Like yeah. what what are blokes saying on the field in the Australian Test team? Did they say come on Australia. Um, Starkey's one was uh, send his bales to Wales. Right. Horrific. Hang on. Did he say that like ironically or earnestly? <laughs> Um, no, no, they're dead serious. Sent his bales to Wales. Wow. Oh, I think that's a spin-off from Tales Never Fails in New South Wales. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's a mouthful, that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mickey, you, you, you were lucky in some capacity. You have some friends on the field. Um, there was uh, Jackson Bird was filling a gully while you were filling a pointer, obviously ex-Manly representative, and uh, Steve O'Keefe there at mid-on as well. So it must have been in some ways comforting to have some Manly boys there with you on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Manly Mafia taking over. Yeah, that was really good. Um, <laughs> to have uh, to have Birdie next to me was it, it, it actually set up my nerves a little bit. So, mm. um, and then Socky, I'm always on on edge around him, so he made it worse again. <laughs> and when and when the game finished, and and uh, were you there when it all kind of unfolded, the team song and all that? And yeah, did you, you involved in, the, in mm. singing that song? And if so, did you know the lyrics, or did they give you a piece of paper? How did that pan out? <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I actually wasn't there for this long because uh, I, I think I left just before they sung it because I, I sort of thought that, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm 12th man here. It's not really the mm. position of a 12th man to be hanging around for too long. It's mm. um, very modest of yeah. you to just, yeah, just, uh, my job is done here. I'm off. Yeah. See ya. Yeah, you know, the drink bottles are clean. The eskies are empty. <laughs> <laughs> but did you, did you get to, to sort of hang around the dressing room a little bit after the win and, and celebrate it with the guys? Or is it, is it such a kind of sacred moment for the inner sanctum that you, you left? Basically, I want to know how many beers you had with them and what mm. was said. Mm. Did you soak it? Yeah, I was allowed into the, the change rooms afterwards. Had, a, had a, couple of, a couple of beers with them. Um, 
but yeah, it's really cool. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in there actually, sort of like wives and, and family and uh, friends and whatnot. So yeah, it was, it was it was shoulder to shoulder for a little while in there, but then after an hour or so, a few of them started filtering out, um, and I sort of hung around with the those guys for ten or fifteen minutes, and then I thought I better make my exit now. I don't want to my welcome. Uh, I'm sure it's kind of the end of the series, so everyone would be inviting their partners and, and so forth into sharing the celebrations. Who drinks their beers the fastest? <laughs> I think it was me that day. <laughs> well, Mick, I was going to ask you. I mean, this this whole thing came about obviously because it was dead. Obviously, because it was yeah. a dead rubber series, and the crowd was bored. It was the end of a test match, and uh, and and then I, I mean, what I'm asking you here is, do you think that your story makes a strong case for full strength alcohol to be served in all areas of the SCG? Um, sorry, I missed that. Cause he's, <laughs> he's, every, probably, he's probably yeah, precluded by sponsors, you know, to yeah. um, to say that. I, I, mm-hmm. I also wanted to know, just with dressing room politics, Mickey, there was no player in there who kind of just got in there, got his phone, and got out as quickly as he could because he had other friends he wanted to see. No, nah, no one like that. Everyone was. Um, There's always one. Everyone was very, very social. Yeah, um, right, no, it's not like it's not like Drake cricket where you have the one bloke who's off to a wedding or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just one bloke. Yeah. Uh, Mick, I just want to ask you: uh, if if you took a catch in the game, do you think you would have instantly retired? Because I mean, life really couldn't have got any better from that moment. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> 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 I think a chance just that day were pretty minimal. Things I couldn't see the bus. Mickey, I just <laughs> I just want to ask you one more question, Mickey. Um, in 2012, we actually played against each other in a third grade game. Um, after you're returning from injury, you've had a number of stress fracture injuries, and uh, this is one of the occasions um, that uh, you actually were returning. It was a third grade game against Gordon um, down at. Um, um, yeah, I think I remember this game. And uh, and you bowled you bowled eight wides in your opening three over spell. Um, when yeah. I'm telling this story yeah. for the rest of my life, how many runs should I say that I scored, even though I was bowled for zero, not offering a stroke? Yeah, I think that day I bowled 18 wides or something. So that wasn't, I think I should have been dropped again after that. Didn't answer the question. Do you remember Ian playing? <laughs> um, I'd, I'd like to say that I, I do, but... Um, he does. Mickey Edwards your, remembers your, me. Uh, yep. Your style. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who left the ball out for zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every aspect of my life. Yeah. Mate, I think that'll um I think that'll wrap it up here, but we appreciate you giving us the time today. You've had a wonderful uh, roller coaster over the past week mm. and uh, and good luck for the rest of this season and in the future. Cheers. Thanks very much. Been a pleasure. Cheers, Mickey. We grade cricketers work hard. Everything has to be hard at all times. Work hard. Circuit hard. Just be hard. Never smart. Always hard. Well, here goes. Dave, what a pleasure it is to have on probably one of the most controversial figures in Australian cricket today on the internet. Huge if true. <laughs> who knows uh, what it will be tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> a guy who released an article yesterday and has been doing it for a couple of weeks uh, former Tasmanian representative, Australian representative, uh, Brett Jeeves, here to talk with the great cricketer about all things Australian cricket. Brett, welcome to the show. Uh, G'day, guys. How are you? Very well, thanks. I'm just looking at an article from you here today uh, saying, comment from my bunny Boof highlights everything wrong with Australian cricket. Um, Do you want to just talk us through a little bit of the background here, Brett? Because I find it quite amusing. Well, firstly, I, I don't create the headlines. Um, <laughs> they probably, probably overstated that um, quite enormously, but that's what they're there to do, the subby. They're never catchy, um, are they? There's about 25 words minimum in those Fox Sports headlines. Yeah, and it's always and it's always about what's wrong in Australian cricket. Not what's wrong with both, but what's wrong with Australian cricket. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of... Um, I mean, long story short, I'd, I'd written a piece about... Um, the mixed messages from Lehman to Matt Renshaw, um, who's been amazing. You know, if we look back uh, a short time ago after uh, the test team capitulated against South Africa in Hobart, we cried and cried and cried. Everyone cried for a, an opening batter that could stand tall and uh, bat long periods of time and, you know, sort of provide uh, a platform for the middle order to come in and be aggressive. And we found that in Renshaw. He's been amazing. His innings um, at the SCG was quite extraordinary. Um, yet we were still negative towards him. The media were, he's too slow, this is outrageous. I remember Eddie Cowan, the MCG, was you know, 12 not out at lunch, and Ian Healy spraying him. I'm like, 
why, we don't need to be 150 at lunch. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, that's an, an aside. So I kind of uh, just wrote a piece for, for Fox, a pretty standard sort of column uh, based around the, the big bash and the impact that, that that was having on guys like Jackson Bird, who you know was dropped from the, the last test and was having to fight his way back in the team through bowling four overs in a you know in an ultra. Uh, fluorescent coloured shirt on wickets that have no bearing on India whatsoever. Um, mentioned the Renshaw stuff in that, and and that you know I, I thought it was probably more appropriate that we you know love Renshaw and provide him you know the right environment, and he, he should be picked. To, to me, it's a no-brainer. And um, Buff, I think Darren Lehman was asked about it on a radio station and what he thought, you know, what his opinion on my criticisms were, and he, he simply stated that. They didn't listen to me because I wasn't a very good cricketer. Um, so that's so that's kind of the the background of it. Um, and he makes a good point. And, and but it's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I've always felt connected with Buff. You know, he's uh, he's good on the tooth, a little bit lazy, poor work ethic, and probably didn't quite get the best out of himself. And um, I was pretty much the same. So you know, I, I feel like Buff and I should be making love, not going at each other in the media. I mean, not only did he drop that on you uh, on radio the other day, but he also apparently defriended you on Facebook too. Which <laughs> Huge, is, if true. Was that the worst day of your life? I mean, that's ice cold. <laughs> nah, look, that uh, unfortunately that all got a bit lost by some of the uh, some of the social media users. Um, I'd mentioned that the defriending of Facebook and the fact that I wouldn't be. Um, you know, looked upon as a coach in the future in Australia because he defriended me on Facebook. I'd written an article maybe a month ago about the coaching pathway and, and sort of made mention that, you know, the Australian cricketing system draws from its pool of uh, Facebook friends rather than looking beyond their, you know, immediate circle of mates. Um, so that all kind of got a bit skewed. Darren and I are, aren't Facebook friends. Uh, my Facebook involvement is minimal. And uh, so, no, I can categorically uh, deny that that I was not blocked on Facebook. That's good. Darren. I was going to ask you what his Thailand 09 album looks like. <laughs> what, a, what, what, sorry? Uh, you know, yeah, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> Required two minutes of explanation. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'd have a really bad time. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no dramas at all. Mate, what you're doing here, I think, is that you're, you're really carving out a bit of a niche for yourself uh, in the media at the moment. Kind of what we do is we, we try to emphasise that you know, there's a there's a hierarchical feudal system in grade cricket, but it's it's really interesting to see that grade cricket is seemingly no different to professional cricket, and that there's a, a similar hierarchical structure. You know, you've got the big dogs up the top, you know, you've got the the guys in the middle, and everyone else is just striving for relevance. I mean, you you played a little bit of international cricket, mo- mostly you're at state level, but the the when was the realization for you that you know this this was how Australian cricket is? Um, yeah, I mean, it probably dawned on me. Um, I don't know, probably four or five years into my domestic career, I was really struggling early. I, I debuted as a, as a young fellow, maybe three months after turning 18, um, and played some one-day cricket. And um, I mean, back then in 2000, it was a completely different culture again. Um, you could drink booze the night before the game, play hungover, um, you know. But and it, it sort of, it was semi-professional. You know, we all worked, uh, we trained at six o'clock, uh, trained at seven o'clock in the morning, and everyone you know, went to work, or depending on their pay scale, probably you know, played some golf or whatever. I mean, I was working, but um, once once I'd spent enough time in the system and, and realised that for me to find a level of success within myself as a person, I needed to change um, my behaviours and my beliefs and, and what I wanted from the game to fit in with the 25 guys that I was effectively living with and, and that's probably the difference in professional cricket to grade cricket in that you know whilst you you know you see your teammates in grade at grade level twice a week and you spend all day Saturday with them you are removed from them at, at some stage you can depart and you don't have to go to training if you don't want to um, of course that's if you're the first grade skipper um, but <laughs> if you're if you're a professional player um, you know you are there every day and there's no escaping um, you know, the relationships that are breaking down. There's no escaping your poor form. There's no escaping the fact that, you you know, you feel like you're selling your soul a little bit to, to even try and fit in with a group of guys that, um, you know, that, that, that are completely different to you. So um, I, I had a pretty good conversation with my dad after about the fifth year. I'm like, I'm done with this. Um, I had a job lined up to go and um, uh, cart bricks for a mate who's a, um, a brickie. 
And I was going to pull the pin, and the old man kind of slapped me and said, you'll never get the opportunity to you know, sort of make good money and do something that I know you love. Um, so you've got to go and find a way of making it work for yourself. And I did. I drank an enormous amount of booze. Uh, <laughs> I took the piss out of anyone that I could. I started writing a blog for Cricket Tasmania that um, was a little probably too honest and, and caused me some angst at different stages. But I kind of found myself a little bit, and, and I found my enjoyment in the game. Um, and from that, you know, I had two or three good years domestic and had the chance to play some Australian stuff that... Um, you know, no one will remember, and that's okay. Um, but I mean, the game was good to me, and I loved it. Um, but it's—I've certainly seen, you know, the highs and, and the lows of being, you know, I guess a, a fringe player and really struggling to someone that, you know, has, has, has sort of done okay, particularly at that domestic level, and and has been um, well looked after by those that were, I guess, shitting on me um, two or three years prior. You seem to have a very strong capacity for self-reflection, Brett, which I guess is, uh, I guess partly explains how you're able to articulate the, I guess, culture of Australian cricket that many people won't, uh, and it makes what you write so compelling. I guess I got a double-pronged question. What has been the private reaction from your mates and other people within cricket to this article, these articles you've written, and how many people do you think actually within Australian cricket feel the way you do about this uh, clearly ridiculous hierarchical system that exists within the game, if I could be honest for a second? Yeah, look, I mean, if I'm really honest, I'm... I feel like I'm able to, to, to be really honest because I'm not losing any friends from this. <laughs> like, everyone hated me anyway. So was, <laughs> um, I can kind of get away with, you know, people say, he's a shit bloke. And I mean, that's how it was anyway. So I'm not, uh, I, I, don't, I don't lose much from, from that. Um, I guess within, you know, my close network of friends and, and family, they're all aware of, you know, I guess my struggle to fit in. Um, at that level, and, and that's always going to happen. You put 25 together, 25 guys in, together in a room, and it's it's not always going to be um, you know a bed of roses. But I mean, I think you know, from a broader perspective, I think there are a lot of people who would who would feel the exact same way. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be on a on a, on a few of the Australian um, Cricket Association Masters tours, which is a you know, collection of former first class players and some international guys. You know, they travel into country towns and, um, you know, spread the message of the game and play a game against the representative teams. And once you get a few beers in with these guys, they, they all share a really similar message mm. that at different stages throughout their, their careers, um, they felt completely removed from their teammates and from the game and they wanted to quit and it was the end of the world. And so, I mean, I think at, at some stage, most players have gone through that. Um, you know, those that have gone on to play at the, at the extreme high level and, and have had... You know, Hall of Fame careers, it's a lot easier for them to reflect back and say, well, you know what, I toughed it out and it worked and I'm rich and I've got a boat and you don't. So um, <laughs> go to enjoy your day at work tomorrow, you pleb. Speaking of that sort of loneliness factor and, and separation from your teammates, uh, Brett, I mean, there was, there was an article you wrote a couple of weeks ago as well about, uh, about what happened to you when you made it to the South African tour. You, you came in there. Uh, for an injury, an injury, and uh, we have some international listeners as well who may not know of the story. Um, but you came across uh, Michael Clark and his then girlfriend Lara Bingle, and perhaps you could describe to the listeners what that interaction was. <laughs> yeah, so um, I know that we're we're pressed for time. I'll try and keep this brief. Um, the call to, to go to South Africa was an absolute pinnacle of, of my cricketing career. Um, mm. You know, to get any involvement, particularly in the Test squad, I. I'd played a one-day game against Bangladesh prior to that, and, you know, that's like kissing your sister, isn't it? I mean, you've got to, <laughs> yeah, I've always said that. You've got to, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to kiss, but it doesn't well, really the count. weirdest thing ever. Yeah, so, I mean, the Bangladeshis were good, but, you know, I started my career with 2 for 11, and uh, I think at the time I was statistically the best international cricketer in the world. I think. Um, I think. Never said that before, have you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not outside of family reunions. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, with an average of 5.5, whatever that equates to, I had a real swagger <laughs> on. Yeah. Better than Alderman. Um, so, <laughs> Started the breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting the call to go to South Africa, huge highlight. Test cricket, that's yeah. what we, we all dream about. South yeah. Africa... Uh, a new experience in itself. So I get to the airport and um, there's no one there to pick me up. Um, 
absolutely no one, uh, no Cricket Australia tracksuit, and so I'm like, oh, all right, geez, what do I do? I don't, I'm not well travelled, and I'm not an overly uh, intelligent man when it comes to geography and history of capital cities, etc., and countries. And I didn't know that South Africa was the carjacking capital of the world. Um, so I changed some money, jump in a cab with this guy who's completely shitting himself, um, thinking that we're going to get killed. I've got. Um, I've got two enormous cricket bags with me, a laptop, my full Cricket Australia gear, God. like we're a, we're a beacon. Um, and he's telling <laughs> me this me. as well. And I'm like, holy shit, okay. Just get me to the ground as quickly as you can. So anyway, we get to the ground and there'd been a, a misunderstanding. I was meant to fly into Durban the next day um, and the team management had thought that they were going to collect me from Durban at whatever time and that I'd, my flights were booked to Joburg and... Um, and that was that. So not a great start. But even at that stage, it didn't. It just didn't dawn on me that that wasn't a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just kind of, you know, what if, you know, I've got my iPod on. You know, life's good. Um, you know, it just didn't make any real impact on me. And we went to um, uh, Durban, won the next test. So with the, the teams two 0 up, and um, there's huge celebrations. And I'm fitting in okay. You know, getting along well. And um, we go to Cape Town where there's all the girlfriends and wives had, had flown in uh, for a four-day break. Um, and I, I was there on my own. Pete Siddle, no missus, and, and young Phil Hughes, no partner. So those two go off on a, on a two- or three-day bender, which is fair because they've won the series. And being the new guy, I didn't really want to go on a bender. You know, I, was, I, I felt guilty enough playing golf, let Do alone... Do they state um, how many days the bender's going for before it starts? Just <laughs> Yeah, this will go for three days. Clear schedules. Yeah, no, they didn't uh, around the pool. Their shirts off. No, they didn't. Okay. Um, Carry on. So I'm. So I'd gone to uh, down to. I forget the name of the the port in Cape Town. It's got a beautiful setting with restaurants and uh, shopping complex. And um, so I'm walking back from lunch, and there's an enormous um, eight lane highway from. Um, that I need to cross, cross to get back to the hotel. Mm. Um, there's no cars. It's completely barren. It's, you know, I can see the other ends of the highway. Um, and from out of this walking track behind some trees comes um, Clark and Zingle. Behind some trees? Um, well, no, there was like a Vivid. walking track that was covered. It was okay. just yeah. magically yeah. appeared. Okay. Right. Um, so, you know, I can see them. They can clearly see me. It's, it's pretty obvious that mm. here we are. Mm. And um, so as I had my headphones in, so as, I, as you draw closer to someone in that situation, you go remove your headphones to say day. and mm. I kind of got my headphone out, sort of, you know, moved in the position to say hello, and they just completely uh, walked straight past me. And um, I, I, um, I'm probably lucky that uh, my dad let me watch Baldy Towers and um, <laughs> at the age of eight. So those, those situations, I've always been able to find some humour in. Um, so I started laughing. You know, at that time I thought it was great. Um, I don't know if they heard me laughing there. I would just walk off. And, so you couldn't get any was, eye contact from either of them. Did did, did did you know a furtive glance from Lara or did no, Michael? No, no. It was hard to tell. She was wearing some sort of king size Versace. But, um, <laughs> I was wondering if they were like hu- in conspiratorial hushed tones to each other. Like, it's just like this bloke. Great yeah, lines on his first tour. I mean, the fact that yeah, I mean, the fact that I was looking at her and drooling. Yeah, um, yeah. Didn't probably help. did not. But she's a very attractive girl as well, though, if you've seen her in the flesh. But uh, she's she's absolutely stunning. But yeah, so, I mean, that um, that start and you know all that sort of taking place within a week. It was a really bizarre sort of um, experience. Um, and then I broke my foot and uh, got sent home. So um, yeah, that was kind of the end of that. But the interesting part, what hurt me the most, is that about six months later. Mm. John Hastings made his international debut for Australia. And I was number 19, so that was my one-day number. And John Hastings debuts about six months later wearing number 19. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, that's the end of that then. Uh, looks, like, uh, <laughs> looks like my career is over. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, but that's kind of, um, you know, that that's, that's how it is. And I guess that that's what leads to, uh, you know, the reflection. Of, yeah, I've been really fortunate to have sort of come out of cricket and, and you know, started to... Um, make my way, I guess, as a, mm. you know, as, a as a rookie in the real world. I've, I've managed a couple of government <laughs> programs now, and and it's good fun. You know, I'm having a ball, but my learnings from that and the way that I'm treated by bosses and fellow staff and the induction programs and the support that's provided throughout all of my work in the last five years really highlights how poorly it, it is done in cricket. Mm. Um, 
So I guess if I, you know, if I was just sitting on the couch for the last five years, I would probably be completely unaware that the way that, you know, I was treated in different situations was was not right. Um, but having had, you know, access to some really good people and support post cricket, um, yeah, I mean, it just it just highlights that we that we don't do things very well. Well, in, I think uh, Brett, uh, you, you've certainly sort of shown some courageous journalism, even if it is kind of masked with a lot of humour in there as well. We know mm. something about that, I think. But uh, for you to do that at the, on the international level is, um, uh, I guess it's something that we appreciate yeah. as well. And look, we've appreciated you coming onto the show in voice and describing for us the uh, alpha realities of international cricket and how um, painful they can be. Uh, and um, I guess just on behalf of the boys, cheers for joining the show. And uh, hopefully we can have you on another time to give you some throwdowns. Yeah, no, look, and without turning this into a love-in, I'm a, I am a massive fan of, of, of what you guys do, read all your stuff. Um, and, and I think what's, what's great about what you're doing is that there's so many people that can relate to your stories and to your humour and to your observations of great cricket and, um, you know, and, and the way that great clubs roll out. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that that's what the general punter is looking for, you know, someone that, that they can relate with. Um, you know, I'm sure Darren Lehman's a, a, a terrific yeah. bloke. Um, I've never met him, never pressed the Don't backtrack now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to cut this bit out, mate. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is that the guy's a prick. No, no, no. <laughs> Soundbite. But, uh, no, but what, I mean, what, what Darren's comments did was, was, I guess, highlight to me exactly where it's at. Um, and, you know, I said to Sam off air earlier today that I'd been sitting on... Um, uh, on the Indian roads metaphor for eight years, and I'd so desperate, desperately been wanting to, to get in and, and write that somewhere. So um, <laughs> yeah, well, that kind of gave me the, gave me the chance to sit down and, uh, for eight hours and pump something yeah. out. Now it's on the internet forever. Mate, thanks a lot <laughs> for your time. Uh, catch you around uh, soon. Good, good on you guys. Oh, look, I, I haven't changed my point of view on the matter. Um, you know, I said what I said a few years ago, and I guess at the moment he's obviously trying to sell a book, so uh, it's amazing how... More and more of the story comes out. So are you two mates? I think that's a bit of a stretch to say that we're mates. <laughs> well, that's certainly what he's been saying. Yeah, look, I think, uh, as I said before, it's a bit of a stretch of the imagination, given that uh, we've hardly spoken about since it all happened and um, obviously haven't played since you know he took over as captain. But anyway, uh, that's all old news now. So, as I said, I think it's more about him trying to promote his book through the uh, summer. Lads, it's that time of the week again. Hashtag AskTGC. You know it, I know it, Australia knows it. Sam, Dave, Ian. Let's answer some questions. Third person there. In case we've forgotten. In case we've forgotten names, I'd like to point because I only see you guys once a week. Um, AskTGC. Who wants to go first? Uh, I've got one that's probably the most recent. Go on, Uh, So there was a tweet posted uh, by Dave. Do we do that? Do we we, reveal who's behind it? Never. Cut it. Look, I'll go first in yep. response to a recent tweet that was put up on behalf of the grade cricketer. It was a picture of a well, a beloved character in Australian soap TV, yep. Jared Toadfish Rebecca. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never thought I'd say that in my life. See, it gets called Jared on, on the show. Yeah. No, I don't know. You just yeah, I just thought I'd be formal nah, about nah, it. Toadie. But look, just to explain, if you haven't seen it, it's a picture of Toadie with his uh, well. Dead wife or not, we're not sure. D Bliss and him driving her off the cliff. And uh, if that's how you say it. The background of the story is that 10 years ago, Toadie and D Bliss <laughs> on Neighbours were getting married. Just after they tied the knot, they were driving away from the wedding and they drove off a pier into the water. The tweet shows uh, Toadie's car going into the water and looking mm. very devastated as he searches for his wife, who is later found to have, uh, you know, faked her own death. Can happen 2021. <laughs> Stay safe on the roads out there, people. Don't text yeah. and drive. So anyway, uh, the tweet says, when your wife fakes her own death because you won't give up cricket. And Stephen Cornford writes in and says, how did Toadfish pull her? Classic case of someone batting above uh, their average. <sighs> how so the, much do you so hate that, that sentence right there? Whenever anyone gets a, mm. is in a new relationship on Facebook, mm. it's almost inevitable that someone will immediately write under that, mm. oh, you're batting above your average, mm. mate. Mm. I mean, the, the emphasis there is on her. How did Toadfish get her? Yes. Um, in grade cricket, though, it would have been ch- her would have been changed to it. Yes, that, well, that's the first thing. Yeah, 
I want to... Which is st- shocking in indictment it's the, it's the Australian it's men in general. Yes, exactly. Terrible say that. Well, that's what, that's what our podcast is, and it's, it's, it's highlighting how silly Australian men are. Well, please oh, don't give it away. Don't give it away. Save it. Uh, <laughs> he goes, I, I want to interrogate the term batting above one's average. I just okay. want to turn this to cricket. What okay. does it mean? I mean, your average is every... Your average defines you. How, well, how, how can, I mean, how yeah. can you ever say I bat above it? Yeah, Pez. It's I maths. Mean, it's, it's layered. It's layered in... That whole thing of new season. Now I've played, you know, n- not me, but like the the cricketer who has played fifteen seasons of great cricket. Sure. But this season is going to be my breakout season. I averaged seventeen point six four in fourth grade, but this season mm. I'm going to average forty two in second grade. No, you're not. Your average is your average. Well, I think it's quite reductive to women as well because it's asserting that your average is a woman, and then, mm. then the woman is assigned a number. The number being your batting average. <laughs> so essentially, it's you know, it's like how Trump rates women out of ten. Yeah. So. I've, yeah. I was thinking it's more like, like imagine Bradman's average, I mean, his average is 99.94, and he said, yeah, but I bat above that. I'm really probably 110, <laughs> yeah. 115, <laughs> et cetera. He's like, no, you're not, you're 99.94. Well, if it wasn't for his last innings where he was crying, weak, yeah, weak, right. weak from him, yeah. um, he would have averaged 100 and probably 120. So, so many tears in cricket. Might be some more tears after this question, which <laughs> comes from Luke Quinlivan, Excellent. Uh, good friend of the show. Dear grade cricketer, I'm dating a girl who's Savlakian and therefore a cricket novice. Mm. My dad really approves of her too. I've spent the last few weeks bullshitting her about the big bash and test players I've played against and or coached (laughs) to greatness. It has worked and she thinks that I'm not playing with the Thunder by choice. In an attempt to assimilate, she's in the process of organising a backyard cricket barbecue. Tonight I realised that the guest list includes at least one current first grader from a rival (laughs) club and then does a tear emoticon. (laughs) Should I come clean about being a washed up middle grader? Or call immigration anonymously, knowing that scratching the surface of her visa credentials will see her on her way. <laughs> <laughs> Tip the authorities off about your girlfriend's mm. visa credentials. Mm. I or mean, complain uh, about his, his I background. You've got to do what you've got to do, don't you? I mean, yeah. you need to preserve your own identity at all costs. Yes. And if that first grader... I mean, that's the thing, because in, in most people's circles, or in most people's lives, you are the cricketer. Mm. So when you come across someone in real life who is actually, actually a cricketer and also better than you... Um, or, or in a present state more accomplished than you, that's quite a daunting thing because then they might suddenly, in some obscure mm. you know, faux reality, that they will reveal actually your weaknesses against the short ball. Be- because what exa- – well, that's exactly right, he goes. <laughs> but what, you're, what we're picking up on here is like the very strange phenomenon of actually running into other cricketers once your cricket career is over. Yeah. Because we all separate ourselves into individual lives so we can start carving out these lies about ourselves and our cricket. We deliberately stop interacting with other cricketers. So I, I do feel sorry for Luke in that situation that he's – carved out an identity as a Thunder player, mm. uh, which I think is quite good. Like a fringe Thunder player, it's quite a hipster cricket identity. Yeah. Most would say, oh, I was just a local club legend who averaged you know, 20 runs above what I did. But him to say, look, I'm a fringe Thunder player who's kind of got dreams of making it is very good. And now he has to kind of work in with another first-grade cricketer who's going to wow for him. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I feel sorry for him. His girlfriend's organising the guest lists. And how's she doing that? Because she's inviting first-graders. How, how's that? Is it like a public Facebook invite and anyone mm. can join? <laughs> how's she also mingling with first-grade cricketers all, uh, as a kind of new entrant to the country? Because that's the most well. concerning factor for Luke is that her girl, his girlfriend is actively cavorting around mm. online or by phone with first-graders. <laughs> he he want to ask if she's been spending time at Upstairs Cargo or something. <laughs> Like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I've got one here on the Twitter machine, chaps, from Jeffrey Gabriel, who I just want to point out, I instantly regret reading this out because his, his, uh, his Twitter profile picture is of him making a circle with his finger and thumb. That's at Jeffrey underscore Gabriel. Trump's he good. asks, at great, great cricketer, to what extent is a first grader's reputation enhanced by a subfielding in a test match? Hashtag ask TGC. To what extent is a first grader's reputation enhanced by subfielding in a test match? Well, I mean, it's obviously it's obviously just asking about, uh, you know, Mickey Edwards, who we've just had on the show, wonderful guest uh, and, and, uh, and fan of the show. Um, How did you find Mickey when we had him on? Uh, how do you think he's handling this? I, I, he's, well, he's someone who's not media trained, which is, which is nice. It's actually nice to talk to someone earnestly. We asked him about drinking beer in the, in the sheds and he gave an earnest, you know, appraisal of that experience, which was nice. Whereas if he was media trained, perhaps he would have been given, he would have been so forthcoming with that answer. So it was actually, I think it was, in my perspective, it was quite refreshing to. Do you get the feeling that he's just like, oh, I've had enough of this? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. I got the feeling when he was fielding as well, he's just like, I actually don't want this attention. But it was just, mm. at being at the ground, it was actually quite, Endearing and, and very funny. It's social capital through the roof. Social capital through the roof. That's the answer to the question. Exactly. Mm. Any more questions? Uh, 
edit, must edit this part. You've got to edit this out. Edit this bit out. Curtis Tui writes in, says, New Melbourne Stars leg spinner Liam Bowe got me out five seasons in a row in local <laughs> Bendigo cricket, despite being six years younger than me. And this season I retired as B-grade captain to concentrate on my job as an unsuccessful travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the end. <laughs> I like the specificity. I like that. Uh. Liam's rise to stardom has made me realise that I should take up the game again because despite my average of 14.6, the real reason behind my shortcoming was the fact that I was facing world-class cricketers. Do you think that despite my lack of talent, terrible rig, susceptibility to the swinging ball and mental weakness, it is possible that I could also make a quick rise to Professional cricket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I just say... The most <laughs> self-deprecating human ever. <laughs> that was just perfectly read from start yeah. to finish. I mean, Thanks. my big takeaway from that question is, was you reading that? Yeah, thank you. But also, yeah, I just love the specificity of him being not just a travel agent or just working in the yeah. travel profession, but a failed one. Yeah, an unsuccessful just travel like, agent. Like, and there's no way he can go back to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, well, it's an industry that's been disrupted by online, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a difficult profession to cut it in. Webjet.com.au, yeah. yeah. Um, Self-awareness has never been good with cricket. No. Really, to succeed, you must have a completely inflated or uh, diluted view of yourself, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think he's going to struggle, Curtis, to start with. Yeah. Someone asked us a question last week about playing. They they once played against Hilton Cartwright or they got him out or something, and their question was, is it right for me to um, continue to bring it up that I got out a test match player or something along mm. those lines? There's, there's a lot of these stories, a lot of these mm. questions that we get in about, I once played against someone who is now famous. Mm. Um, which is something that we've often done on the show and we just like to name drop as much as everyone else. Yes. So. But also we're getting a lot of like ask TGC questions when, you know, after the fact, like I've already done this thing. Yeah. Should I have done that? Like yeah. maybe ask us some questions before you're about to do something. I really want to be... we in, can help you with I those. I really want to be involved, in yeah, in direct decision making. I want to help these... Our, our loyal listeners, our, our, our loyal fans out there, yeah. I, want to, I want to help them through some dark times. And I don't care about averaging 14.621. Yeah, less point. about averages. Let, let's talk more about life away I from cricket. I want life shit, man. I want some real life shit. Let's talk about what's happening at home, what's, what's happening with your girlfriend, what's happening mm. with your job. Yep. I don't care about being Alfred. Everyone's getting Alfred every single day. Global I got, markets. I got Alfred four times coming in here, three times by you guys. Yep. So... There it is from Higos. Real life uh, questions. Hashtag yeah. AskTGC. Facebook, Twitter, you know the drill. Guys, it's been a fantastic show. I've enjoyed having you here. Have you enjoyed having me here? It's the most sarcastic show of all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's yeah, been good, I've enjoyed Higos. it. It's been good. Yeah. Well, it's been something. Huge show. Three guests on. Three wonderful guests. I've enjoyed it. Um, it's also been nice to be back in the studio. Proper sound quality as well. That's mm. nice as well. Um, one thing I would like to say is that um, I would like I would like our loyal listeners to to get on the iTunes chart and just rate stuff. I mean, it's just a it's just a little thing, and it's um it's it's basically just getting tickled approval that I'll never get from my father. Yeah. So go on iTunes, you know, send us a review. We like that. We like doing that. Give, give us what our dads want. <laughs> iTunes reviews. <laughs> iTunes reviews. See you next week. <laughs>